0: The following message from Bible teacher and pastor, Jim Crabb, is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio.
1: My prayer, I tell you this often, but one of my, my, the most important prayers that I pray every day of my life is, Lord, send the people into my life to help me finish my course. Give me everybody that will equip me to help me finish my race. I don't want to run most of the way and then run out of steam. I'm to, I want to be on fire and run all the way and finish till the end. And God, through my life, has been very faithful to send me those people into my life. And Joe McGee is one of those people. And uh, if you've never heard, Brother Joe, you're in for a treat. If you have, you're going to be fed this is one of our dearest friends, and I, I dare say of all the folks that have preached in this church for many, many years, since, the, since 19, late 80s when we planted Courts of Praise, Brother Joe is always at the top of the favorites. Amen. And uh, so he's going to come and share the word this morning. I want you to make him work. I want him to go out of here saying, my God, that's the hungriest group of people I've ever been around. Those people have been on fire. They're still on fire. And my God, I mean, I could have preached all day. We want to, maybe he will preach all day. We'll see. Let him, we're going to turn him loose and let him go. Somebody say amen. Let's stand on our feet today and put our hands together and welcome Brother Joe McGee this morning. Come on, Brother Joe.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Brother.
1: You. Hallelujah. I love you. I
0: love you too, my brother. <laughs> okay, that's enough. Y'all have a seat. Come on. Woo! All right. Come on, guys. Sit down. I feel no pressure. I feel no pressure. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor, for pumping me up to something. I'm telling you. Uh, You know, the first thing uh, America did when we became a nation, you know, we don't teach history like we used to. We need to start teaching it better in school. And uh, 13 colonies got together. Now, the reason there were 13 is they didn't like each other. That's true. People lived in South Carolina, they didn't like people in New York. All right. That's why they scattered. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the British are trying to tax the hound out of us and things aren't going well. So, a few guys got together, invited a few more, and finally they got together, you know, and uh, created a government. That's a constitution. And the first thing they did after they became a government, the very first thing they did after, you know, we need to have our own nation now because we've got a problem First thing they did is they created a military.
1: My goodness.
0: You have to read that in your history books, but you can. What's the first thing America did? Well, we need a military because we're being attacked by the most powerful nation on the face of the planet. My, my, my. England ruled the world.
2: Yes, they
0: did. They ruled the oceans. We're being attacked by the biggest bad boy on the block. So we might want to get us a military. And, and, uh, and we did, and we struggled for a while because, you know, we thought, well, that, they've got red coats, we'll need to get some blue ones so we can't use the same color, and so, uh, so we've got nice fancy blue jackets, and, uh, and uh, back then, you know, the war was kind of wacky. People took turns when they shot at each other. Yeah. Yeah. You're our guest. You can shoot first. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. You're our guest. Please shoot first, and then we get to shoot, and then you get to shoot, and whoever's left standing, they, they win. Well, you know, we weren't very good shots, you know, and, uh, and so <laughs> we're dying by the basket loads, and the, Somebody decided, you know, Washington. Washington, he was he was out of Virginia, and, and uh, he had a guy that he's working for. And uh, his first two campaigns, Washington got always been killed. The president of our country, who was a military man one time, his first two military campaigns, every man under him died. He got him butchered, and so he goes back to the governor. The governor says, "You know, son, you're not too smart, at this are you?" I'm not making this up. You can read it. And said, But you know, I think you might have learned your lesson. You learned what not to do. He said, You go to find somebody who knows how to fight. And he said, You know anybody? He said, Well, the Cherokees have whipped me twice. I think I'll go visit with them. So he visited the Cherokee Indians. They said, You know, first thing you might want to do is take that blue coat off. <laughs> they might want to get you some uh, nice coon skin caps, some deer skin clothes. And get you some long rifles and you don't take turns shooting and what you want to do when the redcoats come because they always like to let you know they're coming they like to beat the drums and blow the horns so they're going to be marching real loud and beating that drum so you know when they're coming so you need to lay there in the grass next to the road when they come by you need to shoot all of them (laughs) and as soon as you fire you need to get up and run back into the woods because they're not going to chase you they're going to get down in a little stand fire by the time they fire you'll be gone and that's how we beat the most powerful nation in the world. It's yeah. it's good. There's no rules to fighting. You know if you go to the, you know, the War College in Virginia, the purpose of war is to kill the enemy as quickly and as viciously as possible. Yeah, right. This is not a nice thing. We're not holding hands. We're not the yin, We're not the kumbaya.
2: That's good.
0: The only war we ever lost is because it wasn't a war. The most expensive war we ever fought was because it was not a war. That's real good. We were trying to maintain the peace, not kill the enemy. That's a fact. The purpose of war is to kill the enemy.
1: Yes, Even sir.
0: in basic training, when I was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, they teach you the first week how to break somebody's neck. Yeah. We're not going to shake hands or sign agreements. We're going to kill somebody. Come on now. And so that's what the military does. And, you know, God's people have military, you know.
2: Yes, we do. Come on.
0: So that. anyhow. Veterans Day is a very special day because people have given their lives so we can sit here and drive down the interstate and not be shot at. You know We've got malls everywhere. You've got a McDonald's in every corner. My goodness, what do you, what do you want? And so, so anyhow, uh, I was sharing last year with us here. I went to Israel my third time last year. So I've been three times. I'm going to go again. I love the Jews. I love Jewish people because they're just meaner than snot. Now you've never met a nice Jew. They don't exist. They're just mean. And so, the nation of Israel is about the size of Rhode Island. Yeah. If you look at it on the map, who's that? Well, that's Israel. <laughs> and if you look at the nations that border Israel, starting in Lebanon and going around Egypt, you add up all the population of the nations that touch Israel, Israel's outnumbered 401. Right. Four 401. 401. 401. Now, it would be like somebody coming to me one day, I was a school administrator for about 10 years, I imagine somebody coming to me and saying, Mr. You, we've got a problem, there's a fight out on the playground. You need to come here and settle this. It's all right, I'll be right there, boys. Can you imagine? I walk out onto the playground and there's 400 kids on this side and one kid on this side. And the 400 kids are pointing their finger, crying, saying, He's picking on us.
2: That's awesome.
0: But Israel's in the news every day how they're attacking somebody or whatever. No, they're just defending themselves.
1: That's real good.
0: Now, when you turn 18, if you're in Israel, if you're an Israeli, yeah. uh, you go in the military.
2: Yeah,
0: and you serve for three years. It's not an option. There's never been any Israeli burn their draft card.
1: No. Not option.
0: They don't burn their draft cards. And there's Jews from everywhere. There's not one Jew. There's Ethiopian Jews, Brazilian Jews, Canadian Jews. Yeah. They're coming from all over the world. Since Israel became a nation, they've been coming home. God said, I'll bring them home. Yes, yeah. He did. And God said, I'll deal with them. I'm not dealing with yet. We're still in the church age. We're what's in charge right now. But one day Trump's going to have him, and we're out of here. Yeah, We're going to go home. We're going to eat dinner for seven years, saddle a horse, and come back.
2: Come
0: on, <laughs> It's a great story. And, uh, and so God will deal with the Jews eventually, but right now he's just bringing them home. And so uh, uh, the last time we were over there, we were up, and I, got, I go with a guy that's a two-time Vietnam veteran, loves Israel, got saved the day Israel became a nation. He was watching TV got on his knees and gave his heart to Jesus. he learned about Israel, taught in his Bible school, or his church when he grew up. He knew there's a God in Heaven, he's getting ready to come by. So, he got serious about it, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And and he's been to to, uh, Russia 40-something times, bringing Jews out of Russia to Israel. Israel's awarded him and honored him because he brought so many Russians out. They honor him when we go over there. So, I go with him. I said, if I'm going to Israel, I want to go with a veteran. I don't want to go on no big bus, we only take 32 people, so I'm special. Because uh, we go places other people can't go, and that's what I like. I like. I don't want to see the tourist. I want to see the real Israel. Yes. And so we we're up the north of Lebanon, and uh, right there on the border, and and uh, we get to go inside. We're going through all these metal gates and barbed wires, and we're right on the border. And so the first thing they do, they get us off uh, the bus, and they got to get you off quick so you don't get shot at. So they get, the first thing they, do, they put the flat vest on you. And we, well, I'm a tourist. We got, well, I got a flat vest. I got a helmet because they're going to take you way up on a tower looks right down on Lebanon. And so, I so said, you want to go? Yeah, I want to go. I'll get up there, man. And so said, what have to shoot at us? Nobody's going to shoot at us. I'm with the Jews. Nobody's going to shoot at us. And so, we went up there and took a tour. So, we went down, back down off the tower. We went three floors down underground. And underground, uh, they have uh, uh, their top secret service people. I mean, these people are the mean of the mean. And so, we're sitting in this room. And so, they work uh, four six-hour shifts so they got, they, got, uh, they got three rows of people. There's six people here, six people here, six people here. So you got 18 people at four different shifts looking at TV sets. What are they looking at? Well, they're looking at satellites watching the border. They got divers under the water 24 hours a day at the border. They got boats over there. They watch everything. Bah, bah, bah. Nothing happens they don't know about. Now, I don't know if you remember, but a uh, U.S. News and World Report uh, wrote an article about when President Clinton was in the office, how uh, the Jews had the White House phones tapped and they were listening to President Clinton talk to Monica Lewinsky in Israel. You know about when they went to Argentina to get all the escaped, you know, Germans and found them. Some of the guys almost nodded and brought them back. They'll hunt you down till Jesus comes. They're not nice people. on. And God bless them. And so, anyhow, that day we got to stay and eat lunch. So, we're eating lunch now. Everybody's uniform, and the oldest, the oldest of those Secret Service people in that bunker down there, there would do four shifts. You know all those people. The oldest down there is 24 years old. But that's not the shocker. These are the top Secret Service people in Israel. The oldest was 24, and they're all women. My mama. That's the best. They're all women. <laughs> and they served as food and they last, but they toad said. This woman can kill you in a half a second. Don't, don't make me <laughs> mad. <laughs> so, so, you serve in the military for three years. They give you a year off. They'll send you anywhere in the world. You got a whole year off. They'll pay for it. And then you come back and you stay in the reserve until you're 55. And so, you carry a gun with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, if you go eat a, at a, a McDonald's in Tel Aviv, they're sitting there in flip flops and jeans and tank top and chilling on the Big Mac. And there's an show over the shoulder and two clips of ammo on their belt. Everybody carries a gun in Israel. Yes, they did. Everybody. Every time I've gone, the tourist scout will come the last night. they say serve a big meal. Thank you for coming. And what they let you know I said, uh, where are you from? They knew where I was from. I'm from Tulsa, said, Well, since you've been here in the last two weeks, you've had four murders in Tulsa. You've had 18 robberies. And they just go through the list. I said, You know, people have been killed since you've been here in Israel? I said, no. None. You know how many banks have been robbed since you've been in Israel? None. How you know many holdups have been since you've been in Israel? None. We are the safest nation on the face yes. of the yes. planet.
1: Right. Yeah. It's the truth.
0: But if you don't know the truth, you'll start biting into a lie. It's a fact. Because there's a lot of wacky news on the TV right now. You know there is. And They're trying to point who's bad. No, no, the goofies are the bad. We're the good. You know, we're the good people. And uh, so, good, it's a great time to be alive. You and I live at the greatest time of human history. If you could go back in time when God first made everything, you can imagine a time machine. You go back, and there's God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and said, "What are we doing today, God? Where well, we're going to make everything? We're going to make the universe? Going to make the planet? Do everything?" He says, "Son, I want you to look down through time, because you know that's what happened to John and Lila Patmos. He went and looked down through time. He saw the end of time It hadn't happened yet. In heaven, heaven, God looks down in two time. God sees you five minutes from now, five days from now, five years from now, yes, he does. five months from now. God has the hairs of your head number, the days of your life number." Nothing happens that he didn't know what was going to happen long before it ever happened. God said, I'll order your steps, I'll direct your past, I'll guide you into all truth. God's good. That's who we serve. But if you don't get in the book, you don't know that. So anyhow, imagine God said, son, when would you like to be born? You want to be born here in the Garden of Eden, you know, with Adam and Eve, it's real nice? No, no, that's not going to go good. They're going to get fired from the job, evicted from the house. Kids are going to start killing each other. No, thank you. Well, you like boats, don't you? I love boats, Father. I sure do. He so, said, well, you don't be here in time. of Noah, big boat, man, big boat. I said, no, no, I don't want to be there. No, no rudder, no motor, and they'll be shoveling stuff for a year on that boat. No, no, thank you. Would you like to be born when my son comes to earth? You know, silent night, all night, we're the kings of Ori and And you watch that and say, no, that's not going to go good. They're going to nail him across the 70 miles outside side of Jerusalem. Well, son, you've got to pick some time to be born. Well, Father, if I can choose... Would you let me born in the last days? My. my, my. When your spirits poured out without measure, that our sons and daughters are dreaming dreams and prophesying, and not cussing us out in the kitchen. Come on down, God, if I could choose, please let me be born in the last days. For whatever reason, God has allowed us to be alive in the greatest Fair. time of human history. Wow. That's very good. More people yeah. being saved today than the history of the church. Okay. More people being healed, delivered, redeemed. We were born in an incredible time. It's like hell's everywhere. It's like we'll never be laid off we never lose our job. We get to whip hell. What are you going to do? I'm in a hell whipping mode. Yeah. You try to imagine them interviewing Jesus. Jesus only had a minister for three and a half years, you know. Exactly. Wasn't very long. I try to imagine CNN being there interviewing Jesus one minute. They've been around forever, CNN has. So, he shoved up and and said, hey Jesus, what do you have planned today, Jesus? Take that microphone. He said, well I got a busy day planned today. First thing this morning I'm going to put some eyeballs in a blind man's head. They're going to get excited about that. we are going to drag him down to the Sanhedrin. And they're going to question him eventually today. And they're going to ask him, do you believe this guy's the son of God? And he's going to say, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind and now I can see. Yeah. That's all I know. Woo. He didn't become an evangelist. He just got his eyeballs back. Later on today at noon I'm going into town and I'm going to raise a dead kid at a funeral. That's going to mess him up something fierce. Yeah, yeah they're going to get excited about that. and. Uh, Then later on this evening, I'm going to create 5,000 happy meals out here on the hillside. (laughs) You're going to write a song about that. Jesus, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. What are we looking for? Looking for the gates of hell. Come on now. I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell. What are you looking for? I'm looking for some hell. I'm in a hell whipping mold. Come on now. I'm going to find somebody hungry and feed them. Want to find a thirsty person? Give them water. Come on now. Want to find an orphan and help them? Want to visit somebody in prison? Find a sick person and make them well. I'm in a hell whipping mode. Come on now. I'll be busy till I hear the trumpet sound.
1: That's very good.
0: So let's just lay this out because I, I think very different. And I teach very different. So I have a short sermon. It's just a long introduction. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, you'll see. I'm not making that up. I, I'm serious. So, <laughs> so in Matthew 22. Jesus is, is really drawing big crowds. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees, their crowds are dwindling. So, man, they're losing offerings and money and popularity. And so, they're mad at Jesus. So, they're trying to make him look bad. And the Bible says they're going to try to trick him with a, with a tough question. And so, he's already run the Pharisees off. Well, the Sadducees said, no, we ask him this. And so, they ask him in front of everybody, uh, well, Master, what's the greatest kingdom? Or the greatest scripture, greatest commandment in the Bible? What's the greatest commandment? And he said, well, that's simple. And he just jumped in it is to love of the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Yeah. And there's another just as powerful as that. You need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said the entire, seven, all 17 books of the law are tied up into these two scriptures. Amen. If you'll keep these two scriptures, you will fulfill the law. My, my, my. And they got them confused. They didn't know what to say. God is a simplifier. He simplifies things. You know, Spirit's soul, and body, world of the devil, faith, hope, and love. It's always simplified. I mean, Jude. It's nasty talking about all the things that happened in the last days in Jude, but he closes out in Jude by saying this You need to do three things. You need to build up yourself in your most f- holy faith, pray in the Holy Ghost, and walk in love. If you'll do these three things, you will fulfill the law. God never complicated anything. Now I've gone to churches and I love Greek and Hebrew and i study. studied. I love to study, but I don't speak Greek and I don't speak Hebrew. Matter of fact, I read a New Living Translation, it's a Grease banana peel. <laughs> I love the New Living Translation. Now, I still study the King James but I don't speak King James. And so I, I want to get something when I read. So get something you understand. I've had my family, say, so I don't understand that. Well then get another translation. Let's slick this thing up. And so you're, you're not trying to be complicated. So when we got down to it, there's um, my time. Okay, I'll jump in this. Angel, if I stay too long, you make me come back. Uh, Luke 17, Jesus is talking about the last days. Everybody's talking about the last days. What about the last days? The last, today, we've been consumed with the last days since the late 70s. Well, you know, Jesus is coming in 78. Oh, no, we he missed. He's coming in 79. No, he's coming in 82. There are books on all this. No, he's coming in 88. Double eight. He's coming in 88. No, he's coming in 2000. Now, there are a lot of people who went wacky in the year 2000. I've got great pastor friends that I admire and still love. Some of them went just brain dead stupid, just selling generators and dried food, you know, because it it's all going to shut down, you know, and the Antichrist went. And I thought, why would you buy a generator? I, I grew up in the country, we had generators. But we lived in the middle of nowhere. But if you're in the neighborhood, you buy a generator, and everybody's power's off and they're starving to death, and you got a generator, they're going to hear that. Your lights are on, you're eating food. What do you think's going to happen? We'll be a testimony. Now they're going to shoot you and take your generator. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been through all the, you know, the 666, six, six, the Illuminati, blah, 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 blah. Forget that stuff. We live in the greatest day of human history. Yes. God's Spirit's been poured out without measure. It is God's time on this planet. People would challenged me one time about having such a big family. They said, man, all these kids, yours? I was in Shonies one time. And, asked, to, and I had a, our six kids so, all these kids yours? No no just three of them we saw these three on the side of the road they looked hungry we just thought we'd feed them something <laughs> I said yeah they're all mine and they, I've been asked so many times because I, I, I we got got like kids between two of us all of them born again spirit filled, all out of college God's been good sugar babe we've done good yeah. and so people said you know why don't you have all this well, we wanted them I don't grow old by myself. I grew up in a big family. My dad had 12 brothers and sisters, my father-law had 12 brothers and sisters. Big families, and I like big families. Uh, I, when I'm old, I want somebody to take me to dinner on Sunday. Oh yeah. I want somebody to send me on a cruise. Come on man. I want somebody to buy me a Winnebago. Yeah. I told my children, you owe me. Good measure, <laughs> press down and say, Together you owe me. Parents left for the children, children left for the parents. You owe me. Now, God's blessing, but you owe me. I said, I'll, I had a daughter one time, my oldest daughter. She's a college professor and uh, got married and kind of, she, she didn't come around very much. And then they were doing good and they are busy, both have great jobs. And I said, hey, we've not seen you in a while and I don't want to see you very much, but Mom wants to see you every now and then, so <laughs> come by every now and then. Well, they were just busy. They live in a gated community. And uh, I thought, and, I thought he said, and we just happened to run into them at the mall. And I said, listen, let me tell you something. Uh, sometime this summer, I'm, I'm going to go two weeks and not shave or bathe. <laughs> and I'm going to get as skanky as I can get. And I'm going to sneak. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not making this up. I told her to her face. I said, I'm going to sneak into your neighborhood one night and put up a pup down in your front yard. <laughs> and I'm going to build a fire in your front yard. And I'm going to call the Tulsa world have them come out of sun up. they're going to come out and interview me. Sir, is there a problem? Yeah, these are my children and they've abandoned me. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not making that up. They started coming around. It worked out really good. Uh, I always wanted a big family. And uh, I, I still like big families. And people judge me all the time. And, and I had a kid one time who got so mad. I said, man, you've got too many kids. No, I'm fine. The Bible there'll be plenty of children, plenty to feed them. Now, uh, I wanted a big family. If you don't want one, don't get one. It'll mess you up. You'll be broke as dirt and go crazy. You don't want any more children you can handle. So That's I was true. I was used to it. I like babies. So I so I only had half what my dad had, half of what my father in law had. I only got six. Uh, we're having really good at that. So anyhow, going through this process when we're dropping these babies, I always wanted a male. Now, I'm a man from the South. We want, want a male child. Well, back when we had children, you didn't know what it was till it came out.
2: Yeah.
0: And so my first baby was a girl. And she's ugly. <laughs> I mean, when she was born, she was ugly. I mean, because my wife produced fat baby. Fat baby's big old purple spell on its head, like, like it'd run into a wall, came out face first. And it's like, dear Lord, Father in heaven, thank you, Jesus. Now, she's one of the most beautiful of my children. The spot went away and their head came normal. And, uh, and she's beautiful. See, I don't know why I told that. Anyhow. So the second one was a girl, dear Lord. The third one was a girl, Father in heaven. By the time the fourth one was a girl, I thought I had to go to to the library and figure out what's going on. And I realized (laughs) the babies were determined by the man, not the woman. I said, evidently, I have no male genes in me. (laughs) So my sixth one, when he popped out, he had a thing. You know, a thing. I've never seen a thing on a baby before. That's my first thing. I'm going to get to go down the other side of Toys R Us for the first time in my life. <laughs> so I, I got all excited. You know, I got a male child. I got a, me a male child. And so uh, the girls made sure that he was all man. They worked him good, man. They, he had five tutors, who to date, who not to date, what to do, not do, what to say, not say. And uh, John did great, man. He was an all-state linebacker. and, and just, he, his, The women made him something. But when he was five, I thought, well, it's my first male child. I don't do male stuff. And so uh, they had uh, they had tee ball. And I didn't know what that was. I said, what's this tee ball? Well, you hit a ball off a tee. You mean like golf? No, it's for, it's for young kids. You hit a ball off a tee. What for? Well, it's baseball. Well, I played baseball when I was a kid. You get hit every now and then. And you got a bat and, you, and you, somebody's throwing it until you hit the ball. somebody." No, these are kids, we're going to try to help them. And so I thought, well, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. Well, I've got my first meal, I want to be a part of that. So all the other boys playing T-ball, well, we're going to sign you up. So we practice in the yard, hitting that thing off that stick. Oh, that's the dumbest thing. So anyhow, we go to the first T-ball game, and I got my coffee, and my two donuts, and it's there in Bixby, and I'm sitting there in the stands, and there's my son coming up to bat and hits the thing off. that a man, that's not much. Anybody hit that thing off that stand. And they're running the bases. So about three or four innings into it, I go down and sit next to him on the bench. And I I'm, and I'm finished my coffee. I said, uh, So you like this, son? He said, Dad, what's the score? And I don't know, son. Y'all cross the bases so many times, I've lost count. I lean over, and there's three women behind the backstop. They're all the women that go to church. And one's named Betty. I said, hey, hey, Betty. Hey, Betty, what's the score? And she looked at me, looked at the other women, and they laughed. I said, Did I say something funny? <laughs> I said, Hey, Betty, what's the score? And they laughed more. I thought, what am I, is there something on me? Is, is I said, what's the score? I said, Joe, there's no score. This is T ball. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't keep scoring T ball. This is just for the boys to get out and enjoy themselves and fellowship. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and sat down next to my son. He said, Dad, what's the score? I said, ain't no score. It's women's baseball. And that was the last T ball game my son ever played. (laughs) If there's no scoreboard, what are we playing for? That's That's why you keep score. How bad did we lose? How good did we win? Men keep score. You gotta keep score. So that's what's happened to America. (laughs) You got she males and what happened? Where'd all the men go? Well, we need men. To step up and be men. Not to be abusive or rude or crude or cuss like I say. We need men to be men. Right. So, so what do real men like? Well, you got to go to the Bible. So you go to the Bible. Here's how you find them. There's three things. All men, all real men are responsible for three things. All real men are lovers. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. If you're a man, your job is to love your wife. A wedding is a funeral. Hallmark has the cards all wrong. It's just i I'm so sorry. I heard you got married. (laughs) Because a marriage is a covenant. And you can't have a covenant unless somebody dies. That's That's what a covenant was. Somebody said, hey, everything I own, everything I have, everything I'll ever have ever be, is yours. Anytime you want it, come get it. That's a covenant. You give everything to that individual. Jesus gave his life. It was a covenant it was. a couple. So so when you get married, you're saying you're standing before God and witnesses that marriage someone, you're saying, From this day forward, I'm living for them.
2: What you're
0: saying. I'm giving my life to them. She's what I'm living for. When I get to heaven, after I hear my wife thank God for a son and the Holy Ghost, I want to be the second thing come out of her mouth. Well, I want to thank you for Son Jesus and the Holy Ghost that led me north of my steps, but second, I want to thank you for Joe. He's the second greatest thing ever happened to me. I want my wife to want to suck lips off my face. Come on. Now, let's, none of us are perfect. There are no perfect people. They don't exist. And uh, I tell people, when you get married, uh, you know, <laughs> the day you get married, scales will fall from your eyes. And revelation will come from heaven. You're like, oh, dear Lord, what have I done? You've married into that, big boy. Every nut and flake in the family tree goes with it. Because I've had people come help me, will you marry us? I said, no, you're not ready to get married. Well, yeah, I am. I'm in love. No, love. No, love. You're not in love. You can't even. If I gave you the four letters to go in the word love, you couldn't put them in the right order. Love's the most expensive thing in the world. You ever tell somebody I love you? Get out your bill foe, your 401k, your checkbook, your bass boat, your rod reel, your hunting dog, pick up your, put it on the table. Say, hey, sugar, I love you. Because if love's not costing you something, it's not love. That's good. No. My kids that got married, I, uh, all the son-in-laws that married into my family, I uh, took them all through six months of pre-marriage counseling. <laughs> I did. And so I only saw them one night a month for four hours. They read six books, did six book reports. Then the last night they came in, I said, now you bring in this last night, bring your five-year plan in. Where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be living? How much money are you going to be making? You have a vision for your life. Then number two, you bring in your last 12 months of canceled checks. I want your last, I'm serious. You bring your last 12 bank statements you put on my desk because you say you love my wife or my daughter. So love's expensive. I want to know how much money you spent on my daughter. You say you love her. And I've noticed that some of them spent more money on, uh, you know, duck hunting and bass fishing than they did on my daughter. My, my, my. If you don't love my daughter, you're a liar. You're a liar. And so I want a number two to make sure they're a tither. Yes. Because you're not a tither, my daughter marries you 20 years from now, she's going to look like she's been dragged down the bu- interstate behind a bumper of a car, wore out trying to support your Sorry, self. I don't care how smart, how high your IQ. If you're not a tither, you're under a curse financially. Come on. Go ahead. You're under a curse. The only way you get up under that curse is being a tither. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> the promised land had 10 major cities. Yeah. Yes. There, are, there are more, but there were 10 major ones that the Bible talks about. Jericho was the first. And God had promised her for 400 years. I'm going to take you to a, a land of milk and honey. You're going to live in houses you did not build, eat from vineyards you did not plant because I'm trying to bless you. And he said, but the first city in the promised land is Jericho. It belongs to me. I'm going to give you a city so you can give it back to me so you can get the other nine cities. I'm going to give you a seed to sow. Because you've been a slave for years. I'm going to give you a seed to sow. If you don't sow it, it's not going to go so good. So you know the story of Jericho. They got the Jericho and seven days, seven times around the hall on the last day, blow the trumpets, walls fell down. Great victory, nobody died, incredible, you know. They couldn't talk all that time because God said, I know your mouth is going the wrong direction. Keep your mouth shut and just walk. So, they get there and then they go to the next city, you know, they get ready, and all of a sudden the next city, 12,000 soldiers got killed. And Joshua's beside himself. Where's the God of Israel? Where's the God that delivered? Where's the God that brought us out? Where's the God that gave us victory? Why, what would you do, know God? And he's mad at God, and God simply said, somebody stole my stuff. Jericho was mine. Somebody stole my stuff. That's why you've got dead people. And so they cast lots, rolled the dice. Well, there's this one guy, Achan's his family said, who is it? And he said, did you take something? He said, I didn't think anybody missed it. <laughs> well, God has the hairs our head numbered, the days of our life numbered. Some men's sins were dealt with in this life. Some men's sins were dealt with the next life. Nobody gets away with nothing. People are well, they got away with it. Nobody ever in the history of mankind has ever got away with nothing. When you get to heaven, you'll give an account of every idle word, every idle thought, and every idle deed. Some angel's writing it down. If you think stupid, an angel's written, hey, Joe just thought something stupid. That's why you gotta be repenting and forgiving every day of your life. Because so if you're not repenting and forgiving on a regular basis, you get what we call spiritually constipated. Yeah. you stopped up. You're full, you full of stuff. And so God's given us a way to live very successful on this planet. I mean, hell comes to everybody. Listen, Jesus never sinned one time. Never. Yeah. He's, you know, he finally meets that crazy camel hair bug eating Baptist and he dunks him under the water and he comes out of the water. God sticks his hand out of heaven and says, hey, son, you're it. Because he didn't know who he was. He spent 30 years figuring out who he was. He's heard the stories about the wise men, the angels, but he can't even raise a dead goldfish. Yeah. And all of a sudden he meets his baddest and he realizes the Holy Ghost leads him off into the wilderness, grow against the devil. He goes out there for 40 days. It is written, it is written, it is written. He comes back. He's in the synagogue there next week. And he's sitting there. And people are staring at him. And it said in Mark chapter 3, his enemies watched him closely. His critics stared at him. And the Pharisees plotted to kill him. They want him dead. They hate him. What did he do wrong? Nothing. What did he do? Nothing. He's never sinned. I've got family members that I'm going to make them like me. You can't make anybody like you. Come on. I'm going to make them love You can't do that. Only God can do that. The truth. When God sent and socks out two by two, he said, Walk in the house, speak peace to it. If it slaps you in the face, don't argue with them. Go outside, shake the dust off, go to the next house. You can only help people who will let you help them.
2: That's good.
0: And so we have a great job, but we don't have to force ourselves on anybody. So anyhow, men are lovers. Now, I didn't know how to love my first marriage. I didn't know how to know. I'm I'm a southern man. Bless God, you do what I say. I'm the head of the house. No, you're not. You're doofus. Bless your heart. So uh, my first wife, um, she liked Pepsi. I don't know why. Uh, I like Coca-Cola. I work for the Coca-Cola company going on to college. I work for them, you know, stacking machines and sometimes. And it's Coca-Cola. It's the real thing it says on the bottle. The real thing. <laughs> Pepsi's just a watered-down children's drink. I don't want to stink of Pepsi. Well, we got married. She said, Joe, bring me home a bottle of Pepsi. Why well, bring home a big old two-liter Coca-Cola? So I didn't want Coca-Cola. Well, honey, your family messed your taste buds up. This is the real thing. You got to get used to this. This is better than that watered that children's drink. And then my family used Tide detergent, Tide, because I got some skanky stain. We need some Tide. Well, her family used Cheer. <laughs> cheer. I don't need to Cheer nothing. I got some skanky stain here. I need some Tide. And so we fought over the t- we fought over everything. So we're driving. We're driving to Little Rock. We're doing a marriage seminar. over in Fayetteville, actually. And we're having a great day. Somebody's babysitting the kids. And going to marry someone. We're just riding. It's a beautiful day. The weather's nice. We're just having a good time to listen to something on the radio. And I'm thinking. I'm thinking about something. I've been praying for something for three years and it's not happened. I pled the blood bound the devil. God, what am I not doing? I know this is your will. I know this is your will. What am I not doing? So I'm just driving this thinking to myself. All of a sudden I heard these words. You don't have to believe this, but it's true. I heard God say, your wife likes Pepsi. I thought, that's a stupid thought. Where would that come from? I thought, she, she doesn't know any better. And taste buds are messed up. About 10 minutes later, I'm just praying in tongues to myself, having a nice time driving. I heard it again. Your wife likes Pepsi. I thought, uh-oh, that's twice. That's not good. <laughs> long story short, I get to Fayetteville. We're pulling in the parking lot of this big old shopping center. And I pull in my parking. She said, what are we doing? I said, I need to apologize. I have been a bad husband. No, you haven't degraded. No, I haven't. I said, from this day forward, we're drinking Pepsi. I'll never drink another Coca-Cola as long as I live. And we're gonna use cheer detergent. Hang that time, we're going with cheer. <laughs> and I'd always hate to bring home feminine stuff for my wife. Joe, can you pick me up this? No, I ain't gonna pick that up. And so I didn't like buying makeup or feminine stuff, so, so we were at the mall, so we go up the second floor of a Dillard's, and I took a yellow pad with me. I said, now, now what kind of mascara do you wear? What is that What is kind of, that? brand, what's that number? You know, what, what kind of perfume do you wear? What, what, what's that lip gloss that you have? What's that brand again? What size of your bra? What size of your panties? What kind of dress do you like? <laughs> what's your shoe size? What kind do you like? What's your favorite? And I made a list. So from that day forth, my wife sent me for something. I came home with it. I had outside dogs my whole life. We had dogs. They didn't have brands. They are just dogs. Uh, Now, please don't write me a nasty letter. We never fed our dogs. Never. I live in the country, Turtle Town, Tennessee. We got 400 acres. We live on the side of a mountain, Kim's Mountain. We, We, We make our own butter, our own buttermilk. We kill our own hogs. We're country people. We don't feed no stupid dog. You want something to eat? Go chase something. And you'd hear me. Now we had those old coon hounds, you know. And we were sleeping at night in that big old two-story farmhouse, didn't have any insulation. You hear me? Bird, bird, bird. Hey, he's on one. He's on one. Gonna have some dinner tonight, you know. We never fed dogs in my life. And so when, when, when I I was almost my junior year, we go camping. with my family. and we go up to the East Tennessee Mountains and we camp. And I had a dog. And I remember going out in the yard and I'd pet her. We're gonna be gone for two weeks. And then an old old lab nodded petting and said, "Better we'll be back in two weeks. You'll be good. And we'd leave. I never thought about my dog getting something to eat. Go get something. You're a dog. And we'd come back two weeks later, and there'd be old dead possum in the yard or dead something dead. He's eating all of it and just left the I I'd spend probably half a day taking the dead carcass out. But we never worried about him eating something. You go to a grocery store today. And there is a whole aisle oh, yeah. full of dead horse meat. A whole aisle with pretty designs. Get this. He's a dog. He'll eat his own puke. He's a dog. I mean, what a. Yeah.
2: That's
0: good. So, anyhow. <laughs> my father in law was 95. My mother in law went to heaven. Uh, we got him a little dog, a little shisoo. Uh, and we got him from a kennel. He's missing one eye, and half his teeth. Uh, some trucker had lost him on the side of the road, I guess. And so we got him. And so he loved that dog. He'd pet him, slept on the foot of the bed with him. So three years later, my father-in-law died and went to heaven. So we went in there and doing, so we finished the funeral and all that and got rid of the house and sold the stuff. We're getting ready to go home back to Oklahoma. My mom has got that dog in her arm. I said, "Were you taking that dog?" We're going to take him home with us. We're not taking that dog home with us. Yeah, Dad, we, Joe, we got to keep his dog. He said, no, oh, he said, no, my, my dad's dog, we're not getting rid of this dog, the son of a gun. So we go home, get back to Tulsa, and, and, uh, and that dog had been used to sleeping on the foot of the bed. His whole life, he didn't know anything foot of the bed. And I said, You, you bringing that dog in the house? He's a shit, he's just a little dog. You sleep on the foot of the bed, it'll be fine. So we went to sleep that night, and I'm kind of mad about it. Well, I wake up in the middle of the night, and that dog starts working his way up between us to get warm. <laughs> And I felt him. Well, he's this first night there. When he I felt I felt something on my foot. I launched that dog to the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I, he hit the ceiling. I launched that dog. <laughs> and I slept on the couch for three nights.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, and so I realized, okay, this is different. And so, you know, we still traveled a lot, and I take my dog with. We're we're on Interstate 40, heading into Little Rock, pull off. At a stop, you know, going to the restroom. And my wife said, Joe, you mind walking scooter? No, oh, I love walking scooter. I love that dog. I want to walk scooter. So, so now you can't let your dog take a dump anymore. They got little the, the units, can get your plastic glove. He takes a dump, you pick it up. And so I got my plastic glove and I got my little scooter, little shih su. Well, there are men there walking their dogs. You know, German Shepherds, Great Danes, boxers. And I got my little shih su. And so I'm all right, he he's got a beautiful box. He that's your dog? Yes, it is, <laughs> that's my dog. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to take a dump, and I'm gonna pick it up, I love that dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in Ohio, you know, several months later, my wife calls me late when day. said, Joe, something's wrong with the scooter. I said, well, take him to the kennel. I mean, doctor, the, the vet. And so she calls back and says, well, Joe, I'm not making this, you can't make this up, so stupid. They said they're gonna have to cut his tongue out. He's got a tomb on his tongue. Now, my wife, she went, ain't she? My wife, they, they, were, they knew each other. It's like, I just got quiet. Like, well, because when, when I had dogs, when they got sick, I, I've lost count kind of how many dogs they had. When they got older, got sick, you shot them. <laughs> you shot your dog. You don't take no vets. A dog, shoot him, i get another one. Somebody's got a dog. we we'll not get another dog. You just shot them. I'm not being angry. I'm trying to tell you what we grew up. We just grew different. And so she said, what's he doing? He's going to have to cut his tongue out. And I, I, I said, well, sure. how's he going to swallow? Well, they're going to have to hook him up to an IV. We'll come home with the IV, and we have to go in once a week and change it. Well, sure. can I just cut out part of his tongue? I don't know. I'll ask. So she come back. I, yeah, they said just cut out part of it, and maybe he'll make it with that. But it's a dangerous surgery. So, well, let's try that, baby. It's better than no tongue. You get a call at 5 o'clock in the morning. She's cut, Joe's good and done. I said, I'm so sorry. All I wasn't, but I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she said, she never said this. She said, can I have him cremated? <laughs> sure, babe. Sure. So she had him cremated, put in a little box with his picture on it, and a little brass nameplate. I thought, if you think that's dogs, those dogs' asses, that box, I can save you some. Never mind. And so... So anyhow, that dog stayed in the fireplace mount. Well, my wife went to heaven about four years ago. It's been about a year and I'm cleaning out the house, trying to downsize and everything. And I saw that dog and I said, that stupid dog. Well, I grabbed him off the fireplace mount. I went out in the garage, threw him in the dumpster. You doofus dog. And so I'm in my office about two or three hours of typing. I'm typing away and I'm thinking. And all of a sudden I had this thought, you know, when you get to heaven, she's going to ask you about that dog. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making this up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, no, she's not. So, about 30 minutes later, I'm talking and I said, You know, when you get to heaven, she's going to ask you about that dog. So, I went out and crawled in that trash can, took that dog out, wiped it off, put it back in the fireplace, mantle. Well, a year and a half ago, I fell in love. I've been in love twice in my life. I'm in love again. I've never been in love this deep. I married Angel. She has saved my soul, and she yeah. has enjoyed my life. And so, uh, I'm in love with you, Sugar Babe. We're still newlyweds. We're still sucking lips off each other's face. Yeah. I think some people were shocked I got married and said, How old are you? I said, What? How old are you? I'm 67. You getting married? Yeah. Well, why?
2: <laughs>
0: I'm not making either side. There were so many dumb statements. Well, I think I'd like to wake up next to somebody in the morning. Kind of missed that. I think I'd like to sit across the breakfast table and drink coffee with somebody. I think I'd like to have a fight with somebody and make up. I'm not dead. I might be old, but I'm not dead, because I have, I have two aunts that live to be 100, and my Aunt Topeka, unless she died this morning, is 104. So we have a long life in my family. Now we're not spiritual, we're just mean meanest not. We live forever. <laughs> so my said he said, Joe, if you hit 65, you're probably going to hit 85. So I'm going to be around a while, so I'd like to have somebody to be with me. Yeah. And so uh, God sent me this incredible gift, so anyhow, so Mary the Angel and that dog went in the dump <laughs> yeah i don't know where i was going with that but that's what it is uh, i got to close out uh, all men are lovers all men are leaders first corinthians 11 3 as god is the head of christ christ is over the man Men's over the woman woman's over the children children's over the dog dog's over the cat cat's over the mouse mouse over the cheese cheese over the cracker there's a pecking order in the kingdom of god but the word head's not dictator, it's source. God is the source of Christ. Jesus said, if you see me, you see my father. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. My father yeah. and I won. Jesus turns around to man and says, man, without me you can't do a thing, but with me all things are possible. Right. The man's turning around his wife and says, sugar, what do you need? I'm either going to write a check for it or start believing God for it. I'm not my wife's dictator, I'm her source. Amen. Jesus said, you want to be great in my kingdom? Yeah. You want to be great in my kingdom? Yes, become the servant of all. Yeah. The more you yeah. serve, yeah. the greater you are in my kingdom. We're looking for people to serve, not dominate, not dictate. So I tell people, men aren't the head of the home. My wife's the head of the home. It says so in the Bible. I might be her head, but I'm her head source. So I tell people, we, we've got it all backwards. I want to make sure Angel never wants and needs anything that I don't supply. Yeah. I don't care how weird or goofy, whatever it is. That's my job. My job is to meet her needs. God's good. If, he's, if you step in the way God's way, your life will go really. Then the last one, almond providers. <laughs> this gets kind of, this gets deep. Uh, give me the short verse 1 Timothy 5 8 any man that does not financially take care of his family is worse than an infidel he is his one who's denied the faith my job is to financially take care of my family so all my son-in-laws that's why I made them bring their last 12 bank statements I want your five-year business plan because are you going to be able to take care of my daughter make sure you're a tither because if you're not you're under a curse I got to make sure we live on an alien planet this world's not our home we're behind enemy lines we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness placed in the kingdom of God's dear son we're blessed and highly favored. You understand? But we are behind the lines. That's why Ephesians 6, we've got armor. You don't just wear it eight hours a day. You wear it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a war. We've been promised victory, but we have to fight. The tests and trials come to everybody. That came to Jesus. Jesus never sent, but they tried to throw him off a cliff. They lied about it. They tried to shove stuff out. They, he went through the same stuff we went through. So, we're not afraid. What are you doing? Hey, we're in a war, and we've already promised victory. Let's go whip something. Let's go be blessed to somebody. We're not fighting people. We're fighting the devil, and he's already been defeated. Yeah. So you've got to know who you are in Him, in whom, in Christ. That's why two things that are critical. You've got to be in a local church. The most, the most powerful thing on this planet today is the body of Christ. God placed each of us in a body somewhere, in a church. If you're not in church, you're out of the will of God. You've got to be in a local church. You need to be in one the doors open, stay until the doors close. closed, volunteer, vacuum, teach, usher, greet. Don't ever have your church lack for something. And then you need to be in the Word of God. We came with the manual. Amen. Volume two's not coming out. God's hanging with volume one, so go ahead and read it. If you meditate this word day and night, 3rd John 2, Joshua one eight, Psalms 1 through 3, you'll prosper and have good success.
2: That's very good.
0: I collected 1,206 biographies from my high school students when I was a school administrator, 1,206 biographies. I did it for a reason. I said, none of these guys ever finished school. All those biographies I collected in those 10 years, they were all millionaires and billionaires. All millionaires and billionaires never finished school most never finished elementary school i'm going to tell my kids now i'm an educator and i believe in it but a degree won't get you a job your gift will get you a job god gifted everybody after the moment of conception the gifts and colors of god without repentance once he gifts you he'll never take it away there are people gifted to make millions of dollars on wall street every day but they don't know jesus from a stick in the mud and if they don't find jesus they're going to go to hell but they're gifted to make money People we'll be gifted as athletes, as musicians, as plumbers, as electricians. Whatever you do for a living, that's your gift. You shouldn't hate going to work. If you hate going to work, there's a problem. Work's a four-letter word, but it's not a cuss word. And so I tell, I tell all my kids, I don't care what you do for a living, but you need to enjoy going to work. You going to like what it is. They don't give you a job because you need a job. They give you a job because they can't get anybody else to do that. They'll pay you for what you can do. That's right. I realized early in my life, get paid for two things, for what you do and for what you know. Based on my paycheck, I did not know anything nor could I do anything. <laughs> so I spent seven years in night school trying to learn something. And so uh, I just finished a theology degree two years ago. I'll be in school till Jesus comes. Awesome. Never stop learning. Amen. But yeah. the primary place that happened is the body of Christ. So uh, close the store. By the way, everything I'm flapping real fast, it's in this book called Man, Loverly, and Provider. Um, it's a really good book by the way um, it is my, my board won't let me print anything Um uh, true story Baton Rouge, Louisiana good friend of mine, pastors down there his son's taken over now for the church been pastor a long time he grew up Catholic, very devout Catholic and, uh, and he was, his parents traveled they had a business where they traveled So he's in a a kind of boy's home kind of a deal most of the time. I said, it's the fifth grade. I'm in the fifth grade. I'm in class. You know, my parents, they were gone for months at a time. Good parents, but they travel. (coughs) So we had this kid in my class, fifth grade, mean as snot, just meaner than the devil. Nuns were beating him all the time, just beating him like a dog. And so it was late October, and and, uh, I don't remember the first of the conversation. I just remember the nun talking to this kid. And this kid said, I forgot what she'd said, but the kid responded, okay, sister, you tell me if I can be good for two weeks, you've got to get me a bicycle. Evident he wanted a bicycle. He couldn't get one. Yes, if you can be good for two weeks, gotta get you a bicycle. Really? And so class got dismissed. We go back to the dorm to change clothes to go to dinner. We're living in this big old dorm, bunk beds everywhere. And so we go back, and this kid, nobody messes with me, he's mean. And so the kid goes back, and we're all changing clothes. When he gets down on his knees, he's on the bottom bunk. Gets down on his knees, closes his hands like he's gonna pray. I thought, so we all got quiet. We don't want to mess with him. And so the kid starts praying. And he said, "They said, God, sister, said, if I'm be good for two weeks, you get me a bicycle. If I'm be good for two weeks, you get me a bicycle." And the kid just got quiet. He's just there and says, "Okay, okay, forget that. I can't do that. Okay, God, God, if I can be good for three days, I'm not making this up. If I be good for three days, for three, you get me a bicycle." He's real quiet. Nobody's moving. They don't want to mess with him. And he says, "I can't do that, God." God, if I can be good for one day, if I can just be good for one day, would you get me a bicycle? And said, he's staring, and every dorm had a statue of the Virgin Mary on top of the dresser. So, he's staring at the statue of the Virgin Mary. He gets up off his knees, goes and grabs the statue of the Virgin Mary, wraps her in a blanket, throws her under the bed, gets back down his knees. God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you better get me a bicycle. (laughs) Now, pastor shared three times before we ever got started today. It's not us. It is all completely, totally God. It's not your IQ. It's not your GPA. It is the grace of God. It's all the grace of God. Nobody got lucky. There's no such thing as luck. There's not bad luck. There's not good luck. There's God, the devil, heaven, hell. We're in between like an Oreo cookie. So we need to make choices every day. We're going to do it. This is the day God has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. So I tell people, you know, especially men, Men try to skip praise and worship in most churches you go to. I said, "But that's where the most powerful time is. God inhabits praise, oh, yes, he does. and it's called the sacrifice of praise because nobody feels like doing it. You see, know people come to church on Sunday or Wednesday. I don't feel like praising God. Good time to do it. Yeah. Get your armpits open because if you don't feel like it, you got problems. You got alligators up under your armpits. You need to start praising God because that's when God shows up. God shows up where He gets thanked. Okay. Enters gates with thanksgiving. Enters courts with Good. praise come a form of singing God likes to be gum flapped God shows up where he gets gum flapped do not care okay how much hell you're going through get those armpits God I want to thank you this is the day you have made yeah. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it you're going to order my steps direct my past guide me to all truth come you're going now. to talk to me when I go to sleep when I get up and I walk during the day I'm surrounded with divine favor people like me and they don't even know why let the redeemed of the Lord say so yeah. let the weak say I'm strong that the poor Samaritans call those things to be not as though they are. God's given us a weapon, but we've got to start using it. Well, I'll believe it when I see it, then you're never going to see it, big boy. The Bible says when Jesus told this, i got to close. Luke 17, Jesus said, when I come back to the earth, it'll be like the days of uh, Noah and the days of Lot. Yes, he, did. he said, people will be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, buying, selling, building, and planting. Jesus said, it will be Business as usual the day I come back to the earth. All right. Now we've had so much stupid stuff been written. For, well, you know, the 666 and God's coming. No, no. I don't have gas masks. I don't store bottled water. It will be business. as The day Jesus comes to get to church, Walmart will be packed. It's People will be at the lake. That's right. Movie theaters will be full. And you're going to hear, and a bunch of us going to disappear. And most of them, they will not even miss it. I don't know where they went, man. Frank, I don't know where he went. He went to heaven. He's eating dinner, <laughs> sharing testimony, getting ready to saddle a horse, come back. And by the way, when he comes back, it's not a parade. <laughs>
2: That's good. It's not
0: a parade. <laughs> it's in the last book. Read the last book first. It's really good. Read the end from the beginning. When Jesus comes back, you know, the Armageddon thing, the valley of Jezreel over there, huge valley. He said, and we've been there. You look at that valley, it's massive. He said, this valley will run head high with blood. When Jesus that? comes back, blood's going to flow. He's not coming back for prey. He's coming back to whip the snout out of the devil and his army. And then we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And there'll be babies born out the wazoo. I have people shouting, well, you shouldn't have too many kids. We're running out of everything. No, I'm running out of nothing, doofus. Yes, we are. And ozone's running out, The water's running out. No, we're not. Listen, I'll tell you this. I'll stand up so I know I'm through. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Every human on this planet will fit inside the Jacksonville, Florida city limits.
2: It's
0: you give everybody three. Now, Jacksonville is a huge city. Takes you an hour to drive south north. It's huge. But if you give everybody three square feet, every human on this planet will fit inside the Jacksonville, Florida city limits. I mean, there'll be nobody, nobody in Kentucky and, and, and nobody in Tennessee. Nobody in California, nobody in China, nobody anywhere That They're on Jacksonville. We're not running out of nothing. Sin's abuse abusing the planet. Sure it is. Yeah. Loses animals and species, whatever. You're working on those. Own. But we're not, God is not, re- man we're running out of stuff. We better get down there. It's going bad. God's not worrying. When, when I hit the trumpets down, I'm going to eat dinner for seven years. The reason it takes seven years is because everybody going to share testimony. Now I want to mess with you right here. You get to heaven, the first thing they're going to open is is the Lamb's Book of Life. See, are you in the book? Because the Bible says everybody's name's in the Lamb's book of life. Before you leave your mother's womb, your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus died for everybody. There are eight scriptures about your name being blotted out, not written down.
1: My goodness.
0: Because evidently at some point, some humans will decide, I don't need Jesus, and I'm not going to heaven. We just canceled your reservation. Your salvation was paid for. you got a mansion in heaven, but I won't make you take it. Hell was created for the devil and the fallen angels, not for humans. But humans will be there if they cancel their reservation. Salvation is a gift. You don't earn it, but you have to receive it.
1: you got
0: to. you got to receive it. you got to. So, so anyhow, some people will get to heaven, and they're going to get there through the gate. Your name's here. You're one of us. All right. Then you're going to go through another book called the Book of Works. And all the things you did in Christ, out of Christ, in faith, out of faith are written in that book. And so some angel's going to write up, they're going to come out and quote something, and they're going to pile your stuff up. Whew, man, I knew I was busy now. I why I was that busy. Boy, I got a bunch of stuff. And I imagine some big angel walking up behind a curtain with some big rod and shooting a ball of fire at that thing. <clears throat> and I imagine some people's stuff is just going to disappear. I <clears throat> hey, God, where's my stuff? You don't have any stuff. You are a thumbsucker. You're saved, you get to stay, but you don't have a master. We're we'll going to give you a chicken leg hanging out around your neck. And you can hold the door for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I went to family reunions. Not everybody gets to sit at the adult table. You had to sit at the card table. Oh, yeah. you at the card table oh, yeah. eating the chicken leg. You were a chicken leg kid. And finally, you got, got the breast. We've got some big meat now, thank God. We're going to get some meat. No, some people are chicken leg Christians. You're gonna thumb suck your way. Well, yeah, you know, my dad didn't love me, my mommy didn't love me, and, and my coach wouldn't blame me, my teacher wouldn't have me, and my dog bit me, and my wife. Didn't. Ah. <laughs> some people are chicken leg thumb sucking Christians. It's time to get a realization. Where I'm a child of God. I am Come the head, now. not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Devil, whatever you take from me, I'll bankrupt hell. I, you got to pay back seven times whatever you take from me. I'm not mad at any human. God bless you. Go with God. God bless you. Go with God. You can't mess with me. I'm a child of God. Whatever you take, the devil will have to pay back seven times. We live in the greatest time, so let's start being thankful. And let's stand up. Great
2: preaching, brother. Great preaching.
0: Brother. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we thank you for this time together, for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Father, we declare we are children of God. We are the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. We are your sheep, you are our shepherd. We hear your voice, the voice of a stranger. We will not follow. Father, we're so grateful. We're excited not about our past, we're excited about our future. Your mercy is brand new this morning. It'll be brand new again in the morning. Our greatest days are in front of us, yeah. not behind us. So, Father's people of God, we just say, Thank you, Father. Thank you for being alive in the last days. Thank you for using us in the last days. Thank you for putting us in the belly button of your will in the last days. We're so thankful in Jesus' name. And everybody said, We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Amago Day, please visit our website at ImagoDaySensei.com. I M A G O D E I. C-I-N-C-Y